Unlocking Your World of Creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Mark introduces you to some of the world's leading creative talent from publishing, film, music, restaurants, medical research, and more. You'll discover how to tap into your most original thinking, how to organize your ideas, and most of all, how to make the connections and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity. Hi, everyone. It's Mark Stenson. Our podcast is supported by Design Hill. Design Hill is the world's number one creative marketplace that caters to the creative needs of businesses and individuals alike. You can source high quality designs from professional designers and unique products created by independent artists. Listen later in the episode for a special offer and a discount code. I'm so happy today to be traveling to New York City and talking to fine artist Jay Alders. Jay, welcome to the program. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you. I'm actually in New Jersey, so don't uh, mi- you know misrepresent <laughs> me for being a New York guy. There you go. But close enough. I'm at the uh, famed Jersey Shore. Now, our creative travels, do we stamp our passport at Newark or at Philly? I've, I've done both. I've done Atlantic City, Newark, Philly, whatever is the cheapest airlines we'll take. <laughs> <Very good. laughs> yeah. As I mentioned, Jay is a fine artist, a painter, a designer, and his work has been featured on magazine covers, album covers, TV, NBC, Fox, CBS, ESPN. So you've seen his work and it's a very distinctive style. A lot feature surfing. That seems to be a favorite topic. But Jay, let's talk about your style. You've got this very distinctive visual style. What is your creative process and your approach as you get into a painting? Wow, I feel like there's so many questions in that. Uh, I guess we'll start off with style. A lot of people ask me about that. They want to know about that. Understandably, it's a every artist is, I guess, looking for a style. Every writer is looking for a style. So I guess what is a style? To me, I think a style are sort of like the uh, the remnants. It's like the trail you leave behind when you when you have your creative process take place. Similar, it's similar to when you're talking to someone. You could, Mark, you could right now just bust out an English accent. I would still be able to tell that it's Mark talking, right? So with an artist, there's something left behind that makes it distinctively me or someone else. And it's interesting how my style developed because I didn't really know I had a style until people were already telling me that they liked my style. And I was kind of like, what does that even mean? Do I have a style? I've been looking for one my whole life and now everyone's telling me I have a style. So it just came about by a lot of doing, a lot of making mistakes, a lot of taking weird tangents, probably similar to a lot of artists or creative people listening. It kind of just, uh, I I find or have found that it just sort of happens to you as opposed to finding it. Um, I think you touched upon creative process. That's a whole nother ball of wax. Creative process involves, you know, tapping into your subject matter, whether, whether it arrives to you and you kind of run with it or whether it's a freelance project. Like you mentioned, I do a lot of commission and freelance work for some, some cool people. And, um, when that's the situation, it's much more about here, Jay, here's this thing I want done. What can you do to kind of make it you, what can you do with it to make it cool? And so there's different ways to run with creative process, depending on what your either outcome is or your vision is a lot of that can kind of, um, can kind of shift and change as you're working on it. And it should. Every artist's style or my artist's style is constantly evolving and changing because my process is always shifting a little bit. And obviously you want a signature look. You want somebody to say, that's a Jay Alders. Uh, There's a certain composition. You've got your intensity of colors, your own brush style. How do you put that fingerprint 
on your work. You know what? It's a great metaphor because just like a fingerprint, it's not like you think about it. it just kind of it's who you are. It's kind of what you do. It's how you see things or how if you're a musician, it's how you hear things. There's, for me, I think if I'm focusing on a certain piece or I'm creating a composition, there's certain patterns or there are certain things that intrigue me about the subject matter, whether it be a certain curve or a certain angle. I think those sorts of things have been imprinted on me throughout my whole life, whether it be, you know, inspired by other art that I've seen or just walking down the street and seeing something and thinking, wow, that's really interesting. Or, you know, things in life or people in life that make you kind of look twice or make you pause for a second and look at it. Those sorts of things, those sorts of nuanced aspects of form or light are the things that I try to bring into my paintings. So my paintings sort of translate what I'm interested or intrigued in in real life or in my visions in my mind. So there's, it's not really, I'm not trying to like create something in it, Jay Alder's style. It just kind of, this is how I see things when I let myself loose. And it's just, that's just how it comes about. But it's, again, as noted, it's constantly shifting. Like if you look at my work, some of it's much more graphic designy. Some of it's very painterly. Some of it, some of the brush strokes are very impasto and thick and goopy. And some of them are very refined and rendered. It really just depends on like my mood or what I'm feeling with that piece. Mm-hmm. Well, and as we've mentioned, magazine covers, TV, also concert posters. So you've had a chance to have your art applied to some of these really interesting venues, I'll call them. Because a, a gallery for a, yes. a concert tour poster is a lot different than a gallery on Soho. Yeah, they're like different vehicles for your artwork to travel upon, right? Like, so when I was a kid, my dad has always been an entrepreneur. I grew up like my dad's super workaholic salesman type guy, always like thinking about the next, you know, idea or scheme or, you know, what can we do with this and how can we apply that? He puts a lot of creativity into business. He's definitely not an artist, but I grew up in that mindset and that household of like looking for ideas and how to nurture and change things and morph things. And he said at an early age to me, you know, that he acknowledged that I was into art and I loved art. He said, you know what? It's not necessarily that you have to be like the best or it's not necessarily like you have to do things a certain way. It's that if you can get your art in whatever means you find you're comfortable with that gets to people, He's, he told me he'd show me catalogs of stuff he was selling. He said, hey, the, this artist does nothing but frogs on bed sheets, And that's his thing. He's like the, the frog guy that puts frogs on everything. And clearly, I didn't want to be a frog artist, but I got the lesson. The lesson was that if your artwork can get to people, speak to people, connect with people by means of whatever vehicle you put it upon or whatever gallery it goes into. I think as long as it is consistent with your brand, I feel like that stuff is really cool. I have a lot of fun with it. I've always loved, for instance, skateboarding. So getting my art on skateboards was a huge thing. I've always loved music. So doing album art or, you know, poster art for bands is like a huge, you know, fulfilling thing for me. So I try to put my art on things and in places that speaks to me and makes me excited and happy about what I'm doing. And you mentioned this business influence and you certainly transitioned, or I guess layered on the passion for the art. Then came, well, I'm going to do this professionally. 
this is going to be my living. Did you consider it an add-on or was it a transition? I'm trying to think about how that merged into your life. It's a cool question because a lot of creative people that I know or that I coach or that I talk to, people that are not, let me say this, people that are not in the professional realm, there's a disconnect between whether you call it the left brain, the right brain, or whether you call it business and art. People that break through to either make a living or make money or have art or creativity as a side hustle realize that the business part of it can and should be just as creative as the art making part of it. So for me, you know, being very artistic by whether nature or nurture, I don't know. But being artistic at a young age and then having this father growing up, especially. And then I had also like an uncle figure, Marshall, who is an art director, an illustrator, a photographer. I had these adults around me who were like doing big things and it didn't separate for me. It wasn't like I'm an artist. How do I make money from it? It was just like, here's how you do business. Here's how you put creativity in business. Here's how you make art. Here's how the business mindset can help you be a more disciplined artist. And here's how being a creative artist can help make you a better entrepreneur. They've always been one for me. And it wasn't until later on in life that I realized how odd that was or how rare that was. But growing up, while I was making art, I was also making trades in the neighborhood. I would buy, make, or find something and sell it and trade up and get that thing and trade that up. It was, it was always the entrepreneur in me. There was never a separate thing or a transition. And that's why I was curious because a lot there are, as you mentioned, this conflict between left and right sometimes, or art and commerce. And we creatives can resist that saying, look, I just want to do the art. I don't want to get my fingers messy, you know, in that business. Right. Or maybe I'll have to get a manager or somebody else will have to handle that. Yeah. I mean, ideally it would be great to just do one thing, like, especially, you know, especially us being guys, I I think that the stereotypes are somewhat true. We're, We're not the greatest multitaskers. I don't know about you, but like I do a pretty darn good job at multitasking, but it's not fun for me. I don't like it. I wish I could just you know, maybe on Monday, just do one thing. But most days, it's like a little of administrative stuff, a little bit of customer stuff, a little bit of art stuff, a little bit of this, a little bit of web site design. And you have to kind of walk between those different realms. So yeah, idealistically, it would be great to have like a team to do certain things. And then, you know, likewise, the business side of me, when I'm in when I'm in more of a business mode that day, I don't feel like doing art, to be honest with you. And that's okay. And it's okay to admit that. And it's okay to honor those different sides. And on those days, I'm like, damn, I wish I could just clone myself and have that guy do the art. And I'll just deal with this business thing. It's okay to wear different hats. I think it's comfortable and normal and healthy to kind of realize that those are different entities within you. And not thinking that when you're in art mode, that you have to be the next Bill Gates or whoever, right? Like you don't have to be Elon Musk if you're painting. And when you're in art mode, you don't have to think that I have to change out of Picasso mode into Elon Musk. You know, it's okay to like be everything and mush it around a little bit. Yes. We'll be right back with our interview here on Unlocking Your World of Creativity. But first, a reminder of the discount that I promised you at the beginning of the show from Design Hill. You can get an exclusive 25% off of Design Hill's Logo Maker service. Just use the code WF25. The link is in the show notes. And remember, the offer is valid through November 30th, 2021. And now back to our interview. 
And it's easy, I guess, for us to generalize, but let's drill down on this business side of art a little bit more. So sure. when you say you're going to shift into that, do you feel like it's marketing, pricing, licensing, I guess any and all of those, but what takes up most of that business capacity of the mind when you're trying to shift? Um, hmm. I, you know, I'm kind of back and forth, back and forth, because I, I don't know if you probably find the same things like most entrepreneurs I know will say their great ideas come in like the shower or when they're driving. So I'll be like in work mode and then I'm out of art mode. And as I'm doing this administrative thing, oh, there's the idea. There's a solution for that painting I was working on and vice versa. I'll be painting. I finally escape all the stress of work. And then I'm like, oh, that's how you can deal with this marketing issue or this customer support thing. Like, oh, got it. So they're kind of always there. It's sort of like a virtual staff in my head, but I, I'm very like disciplined with making, I have like my tasks. I know what I'm going to do each day or what my purposes are that day, my goals are. And then I try to break down things in little segments. So I know right now we're talking and that's all that matters now. But I also know after this, I'll have certain things that have to get done. And then within that fenced in yard of my mind and that, that segment, if I have this hour or two to do these things, but I'm not really in a creative mood, I can switch off and go back and forth. And then once a part of my day or my business or my art feels like it's being really neglected, I'm like, okay, got it. I haven't been paying attention. I got to force myself to get in that other thing. So it's a lot of compartmentalizing, a lot of prioritizing and a lot of pushing through when you, even when you feel resistance, sometimes you have to still have the discipline to just do the shit that needs to get done, you know? And you've really developed a nice website. And I was going to continue this thought of marketing and that you found a number of different channels to market your art. There is the commissioned art that we've been talking about, but you also have the galleries, you have prints, you have other things that you're selling. And I'm asking this because I think a lot of creative artists who might be listening are saying, I feel like I have the style or I feel like I have the art, but I need to figure out a way to market it and to sell it. How did that develop for you over time? And by the way, the website is jalders.com. It's, it's really terrific. You should check it out. But uh, Jay, how for you did that develop? Well, I'd like to start with something you just mentioned. Like a lot of artists don't know where to go with it. They don't know where to take it. I feel like that there's a, that's probably at least a two-prong solution there. Number one, those creative people that you speak of are not, they don't know. That's one thing. Clearly, they don't know. Also, they're not putting in the time to know. So there's a discipline aspect to it. Like, especially like nowadays in 2021, it's so dramatically night and day from when I first started with my career. Like when I first started doing art, the internet wasn't in existence. And then when my art started to do, started to do well, the internet was there, but it's not what it is now. Like now it's like you have YouTube and blogs and you, you can literally find any answer to any problem and find a solution with a step-by-step -step tutorial for free on YouTube. So if, you, if any artists don't know how to market their art, like there's so many answers there. So it's, there's some level of like, I just don't want to, or I don't like dealing with marketing or I don't want to do branding or that doesn't make me happy. You like, wow, 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 wow. Right. A lot of complaining, but then there's also the level of like, well, once you get past that resistance, what do you do? Right. There are a lot of solutions for me. It's been a, it's been a process of trial and error. I started out with certain kinds of products 
I saw what did well, what didn't do. I saw what price points were doing well. You have to measure your progress, right? And again, it goes back to like my, the lessons I learned from my father and from my family friend, Marshall. If you want to make money from art, there's a million ways to do it, but you have to find a way that works. And so for me, I focused on things, at least at first, that excited me. I wanted my art on skateboards and surfboards and albums and different types of products that I found thrilling and exciting. And then from there, trial, a lot of trial and error, a lot of learning. Yeah. And you've mentioned this kind of discipline to learn. I guess I was also interested, Jay, in the collaborators and clients that you've had a chance to surround yourself with. So many great creative people. And we were talking about bands and artists and albums, Slightly Stupid, Dave Matthews Band, 311, G-Love, Citizen Cope, Matt Costas, the list goes on. I'd spend the rest of the uh, podcast reading this list of great people. <laughs> so tell me about the people part of this, you know, and the influence that being surrounded by other creative people has on your own work. I love that question because that's one of my favorite topics because that truly is one of the most fulfilling parts about what I do. Like not only, you know, the behind the velvet rope type hangouts and things, those are amazing. And like, being a, a fan of a lot of the musicians that I, I have worked with or met has been surreal to say the least, but just also humbling and exciting. And, and then what you get to the point where those people that five or 10 or 15 years ago, I would have done anything to meet. I find myself hanging out with them as friends. And once you cross that threshold, you realize, or it took me a long time to realize that those people, some of which you just mentioned, see me as a, a, as an equal in a, in a different creative realm. And maybe I'm not saying who or when or, or whatever, but some of those people, maybe they wish they could have the art talent that I have. And it took me a long time to realize that because I spent my whole life wishing I could be that rock star guy, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, so the grass is always greener and it is really humbling and exciting and fun to see and feel and remember and know all the sides of that. But then the other element of it is like my fans and followers and collectors and people I've met at art shows or touring, like that's so thrilling and exciting for me to, to see and meet people and become friends with people all around the world. Some of which I'm still in touch with like on social media or in other, uh, you know, just texting I'll, I'll WhatsApp friends that I made in France, you know, and that's exciting also just having that ability to connect with like-minded like people. And in a way, music and art sort of pre-qualifies that, right? Like if, oh, you're into this art, you're into that music. Oh, we're alike. What else are we like about? Let's, let's connect. And that's exciting. That's fun. Mm -hmm. And it does feed the creativity. I agree with that. And I'm curious when the artists approach you or say, you know, we'd like you to do our poster or album cover, our t-shirt, whatever the medium turns out to be. Obviously, you want to express the theme or the tone and everything else that is reflected by their music. But they're also engaging you for your style. So I'm, I'm curious how that balance comes out. More than a balance per se, I think there's a connectedness to it. There's a a fabric of mutual respect and admiration and just interest. I mean, every musician or every company that I've worked with, there's a different story. So it's hard to generalize. But if I had to, I mean, some of these artists, musicians have an, an interest or a liking for my art and they feel that it connects with their, the emotion of their creativity, their music. Like, you know, my music feels like your art looks or vice versa, or there could be a thing of like just 
ad mutual admiration. Like I'm a fan of your art. Oh, wow. Cool. I'm a fan of your music. You know, art speaks to the same energy as music can. And when those things have a commonality, they go together well in the same way that growing up, my, my dad had this giant vinyl collection that I wasn't even allowed to touch until I was older, even though I did. And I remember being a kid, really little, climbing up in the shelves that I wasn't supposed to climb on and pulling down albums. And not only, I wasn't able to play them early at an early age because my dad would never let me touch his record player, but I would sit there and open them and imagine being the artist that did that artwork. That was my art gal. That was my first art gallery experience. I never went to art galleries as a kid. My parents weren't like cultural like that. We didn't really do museums very much, but looking at like the Beatles albums or like look, pulling open and looking at Mamas and the Papas or like looking at the photography and the colors and the angles and the, the shapes, you know, look, looking at my dad's old like bebop albums or like Spanish Latin flamenco type albums, like looking at that was an early influence. And I saw and felt and understood how the music and the art connected. It went together. It was an experience. So like the idea of someday being part of that experience was like super exciting for me. It still is. And you're starting to collect and you want to publish some of these stories in a new book. Tell us how the book's coming together. Thank you for asking. It's been a uh, very, very, very <laughs> long process. It's been five years in the making. It's sort of been my back burner project. Um, to give you the quick abridged version about, I guess, maybe six years ago, five and a half, six years ago, I had an art gallery, uh, a brick and mortar closed down. I, I lost most of my, pretty much all my life savings. At the same time, I had um, a young daughter that was uh, at the time one, and I had twins on the way that were born at the exact time that this gallery opened. So fast forward, the gallery closed. I hadn't slept in years from my, my three children. And I, I was feeling very little artistic inspiration, but I did feel a lot of emotions. And I felt like I needed a change. I, I, was, I needed a break from the art. And I also had children that I felt like I wanted to, was drawn to leaving a legacy of information and wisdom to. And so writing became something that let me channel a lot of my emotions. It let me document and create some of the life lessons that I've had as a child who happened to be an artist growing up. And what I've done since then, because at first the writing was more therapeutic and cathartic. And then I started realizing that I was writing the book that I always wish I had. I hadn't ever found a book that touched upon and spoke to, I don't want to say the broken artist, but maybe that's the good way to start it. The artist that, you know, my mom is, is bipolar. It was a very, at times rough or confusing and unstable childhood at times. And I wanted to speak to understanding the lessons that a creative person needs to understand. And so I went through my life, the book sort of rough, loosely parallels my upbringing from a child artist to where I am now. And throughout each major point of resistance and obstacle and failure, I found the lessons and I wove them into a book that I think not just visual artists, but I really do feel like any creative person has the exact or very similar types of mindsets that they need to learn or understand or be exposed to. And so I, I entitled the book Untangling Creativity, The Artist's Pursuit of Purpose, Prosperity and Soul, because it really does touch upon the purpose and the meaning of art 
understanding what the creative is here for, and then the prosperity, how you connect that to your business side of things like we talked about. And then the soul, because I'm very much spiritually connected to my process. I have a very intuitive creative process as opposed to more formula driven. I, I really kind of connect with my art. And so I, there's a deep spirituality that runs deep throughout all the parts of my life, not just the art. Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty much what the book is about or contains and i'm really excited about it it's exciting to again try something new and it was interesting also because you know here i was like a brand new first-time author experiencing a lot of the struggles and resistance that i have already gotten past in my visual art so i was writing it both from the perspective of someone that's been through it in the visual arts but also someone that was going through it as a writer, like getting my chops, like spending five years learning how to write. And it was, I would feel the struggle of like, oh my God, I'm so stuck or, or I'm so stressed or this is so hard. How do you get over this? And then it's like, I felt like my visual artist, the painter side of me come in and be like, well, here's how you do it, how you did it when you were painting. Is there a way to apply that to your writing? And I was like, all right, fine. I get it. And I would find these lessons and and weave them in the book. So it's been really fun. It's exciting. I don't know where, if anywhere it's going to go like career-wise, but I'm excited to share it because I really feel with like every ounce of my being that it could help fellow artists. And that's really my main goal. Well, it's very exciting. So untangling creativity. What about it was untangling for you? Or did you feel like you were writing it for someone to help untangle their art. But it, certainly it sounds like your personal journey deserved and maybe enjoyed the writing process as an untangling exercise. Well, you know, it took me literally, I would say years <laughs> to understand where I was going with this. Like I would, I just started writing major milestones, like certain career milestones or certain major, major lessons that I had been emotionally or cognitively aware of like certain things or moments that I was like, ah, epiphanies, things like that. And then I was like, all right, great. I have all these like interesting stories that I found helpful, but it's like, what do they have in common? How do you piece them together? I found one thing had more to do with like a spiritual triumph. One was more of like, here's how you make sense of all this business stuff. One of them had more to do with the craft and the inspiration of art. I'm like, these things, like they, they clearly have a lot to do with each other because it's coming from me as the artist. And I know for a fact, these are like the most important things to teach an artist. And the book started out, like my very first notion, to be honest, was I spoke to an author friend of mine, Steve, uh, Scott, and he's a, he's a multi-time best-selling author, makes like tons and tons of money. And at the time of writing, I was broke. I lost all my my savings. I had three very young children. I was talking to one of my best friends who happened to be a best-selling author. And he was like, have you ever thought about writing a book on how to help artists, how to teach them some business stuff? Great idea. Let me start writing. So I just started writing, thinking I would it would be this like step one, two, three type of a book, but it wasn't that. The most, as it turns out, the most important stuff to teach had nothing to do with like copyrights or specific marketing lessons. The most important stuff had nothing to do with that. And so I had all these most important things and the untangling was had to do with like, how do you take this clump of stuff that I know is super, super important and how do you open it up and unravel it in a way and present it to a creative person where it makes sense? Like seeing how the spiritual and the business and the creative and all the other parts and the, the mental challenges, all these things, how do they go together. Let, let me untie the knots and see how it becomes linear 
into a book. And that's sort of what I mean by the untangling. It's the making sense of it, putting it out in a linear fashion in a book and still having it make sense and how, and teaching lessons without being like, well, in this chapter, we're going to teach you marketing in five easy steps. It's, it's <laughs> bullet, not that. Bullet, all, bullet, bullet. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I feel like all of those lessons are there, but it's done in a way where it's like, it's digestible for any creative person and it's applicable to multiple mediums. Well, I can't wait to read it. And even as you've been talking about accessing your visual artist experience in writing, I can tell as you're describing it, if I could give you that feedback, you're, you're very yes. visual and descriptive in your language. So that's why I'm, <laughs> I'm interested to, to read this and see that on the page. Because you Thank can, you. you're literally describing this unraveling and this undoing knots and you can see it, you can visualize it. So can, I'm also doing a lot of my hand, my hands oh, are going everywhere. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my New Jersey is showing. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I love the, the brush strokes of writing, I'm sure, come across, not just the keyboard. Yes. Well, yeah, the, you mentioned it might be coming out in November and listeners will watch for it. The uh, links will be in the show notes. Untangling Creativity, the Artist's Pursuit of Purpose, Prosperity, and soul. Well, Jay, we've also been talking about a lot of obstacles you had to overcome to get where you are today. Do you see the next stage? Are you looking around the corner? Are you looking over the horizon and saying, what's next for Jay Alders? Um, boy, how do I answer that one? I would say that like, you know, early in the conversation, really we described- not to be like an, a job interview question. I'm not asking where you <laughs> want to be in five years. <laughs> Well, you know what? Like I, I, I'm very creative and I'm very like loose, but I'm also extremely disciplined and structured. So that being said, I, I, like we spoke about earlier about compartmentalizing the different tasks and whatnot, my life is also segmented in those ways as well. So like I have goals, aspirations, standards, et cetera, for each part of my life. So like for my family, my fat being a dad, being a husband, being a son, being a brother, like those parts of my life, I really truly have things I'm working on constantly. And then with my art, with my career, with my, my athleticism, my fitness, my health, like every part, every major spoke in the wheel, as like Tony Robbins would describe it, is, con is getting constant attention and nurturing. However, since we're talking about creativity, I would say that like the, the, the book is clearly the next thing that I want to see what it's capable of. You know, do I have what it takes to connect with people and my fans to help them in a way that that is worthwhile and pursuing in some ways. So maybe that will take, maybe that I hope will get me into public speaking opportunities or more coaching opportunities. I'm already doing creative coaching. So maybe that will help. Maybe it'll push me into doing another book or maybe I'll decide it didn't work out like I planned and I'll go somewhere else. I'm not sure. What I kind of do is I like to see what inspiration is drawing me towards. I know with my art, I feel like I'm, I'm ready for some changes and some shifts. As my life has shifted, my activities and my interests have also kind of shifted. So I feel like I'll be drawn to paint things that reflect my current lifestyle as opposed to where I was 10 year, five years ago, 10 years ago. That's constantly shifting. I like to paint and create what is on my mind and what's on my mind has clearly shifted from years past. So it'll be interesting to see where the creativity takes me. And then also the business part of it, I'm, I, I'm very excited about. So I hope that it'll constantly be all of it improving and shifting and evolving and not being static, I guess is the answer. Terrific. And you never know who might be listening to our podcast. Is there an artist, a publication, a show that you'd like to work with? 
um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pigeonhole myself to anything. There's a lot of people and talent and opportunities that I would love to connect with. But again, I want it to be mutual. I want it to feel good. There's a ton of people I respect, so I wouldn't even know where to begin. Oh, I think they just got the message, whoever it is. They, <laughs> they know who you're talking to. So glad to talk to you today, Jay. It's been a real pleasure. And you can connect with Jay Alders on Facebook and Instagram at Jay Alders. And of course, the website is jayalders.com. And we're really looking forward to the book coming out later this fall, Untangling Creativity. Jay, what a pleasure Thank talking you, Mark. with you today. I've enjoyed it. That's a great conversation. I, you're a great communicator. I admire what you do. And I'm really honored to have a chance to get to know you a bit. And hopefully we'll nurture our acquaintance and friendship in, into, or in the next coming years. So I appreciate all of it. Thank you. Yeah, so fun. It would be great to collaborate. So leave our listeners with a little punctuation mark that they feel stuck or they need that extra nudge today when they're listening to this that says, either I got to get on the business side or I got to get back to the palette, whatever that palette may be for them. What's a word of encouragement you could provide? I would say, first of all, I would remind everyone that most of the answers are already there. We live in a time where in the information age where there's way more information and answers than you ever had before. So first of all, like if you feel stuck or don't know how to do something, a lot of that has to do with more about a lack of discipline or outright laziness than anything else. The answers are there. That being said, the friction, the resistance, the obstacles that all of us can connect with is real. And there's plenty of days that I do not want to do art. There's plenty of days I do not want to do the thing that I have to do that day. I think a lot of people might look in from an outside perspective at someone like myself and just assume I'm like floating around in inspiration with like fairy dust and just everything is just magical all the time. Not true at all. Couldn't be further from the truth. So I feel like just getting a reality check of realizing that the musicians, the artists, everyone that you admire, whoever that may be, the writers, most of them, a lot of days have to force themselves to do the things that you think comes naturally. Most of it doesn't come naturally. It takes hard work, discipline, a practice, habits, good habits, and just incremental progress. So I would say that's my punctuation mark. Great advice. Well, listeners, my guest is in Jay Alders. He's an internationally acclaimed fine artist, a photographer, designer, and now an author. And as we've been hearing he has to put on that side of entrepreneur and business person and creative coach as well. It's just been so great talking to you, Jay. Thank you, Mark. And listeners, come back again next time. We'll continue our around-the-world travels to talk to creative practitioners everywhere about how they get inspired, about how they get those ideas organized, and then gain the confidence, the collaborators, the connections to launch their work out into the world. So until next time, I'm Mark Stenson, and we're unlocking your world of creativity. See you soon. Thanks again to our sponsor, Design Hill, the world's number one creative marketplace for business and individuals, where you can access high-quality designs from professional designers and unique products created by independent artists. You can get 25% off of Design Hill's logo maker service. Just use the discount code WF25. The link is in the show notes. And remember, the offer is valid through November 30th, 2021. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and thepeaceroom.love. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. 
you can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer.